Hey guys, welcome to the Todd Allen Show. Thanks for joining me today. I want to remind you, if you haven't checked out Todd's World yet on Spotify, uh, check that out. I On the, the last show, I read a little clip. What it is, is it's an original audio fiction podcast. So the story right now, we're going to do four eight-week seasons per year. We're in the first season right now of Insurrection. And it's a, it's a great story, just a wild story about an actual American insurrection and what that looks like, at least in this story. So it's a lot of violence, you know, we're going after the deep state, the whole thing. It's just, it's a lot of fun. So go check it out if you haven't. Todd's World at Spotify or look up Insurrection. And that's kind of our flag, that's my flagship right now. That's what we're, we're dealing with the most. You can also find us on... Facebook and Instagram at Todd's World 2023 and on Truth Social at the Todd Allen Show and Twitter, which is probably where I'm most active, again at Todd's World 2023. So check us out. That's that's where we're at. Also, I have a sub stack and release one piece, you know, an op-ed uh, essay type thing, article, but we do one a week on sub stack and that's called Todd's World on Substack. So look for that as well. So that's a bunch of the stuff that I have going on. And I hope that you guys will look into it, get into the story. Insurrection's a great story. I think you're going to love it. We have some great characters. Uh, they're the, the deep state in this last episode, episode four, the insurrectionists finally strike back and you see him kind of kicking the crap out of the deep state. So it's fun. I know it's fiction, but it's fun. Just it's nice to see something happening for once. We keep hearing about this, that, and the other, but it, it seems like very little actually happens. So, uh, on this show, I had said this uh, Tuesday, and I'm going to try to release two a week. Tuesdays is going to be about uh, focused on current events, politics, that kind of thing, and then Thursdays is going to be more personal, more on the spiritual side. So today I'm actually going to start, I think, with Exodus because I right now I'm reading through Exodus in my own personal kind of Bible study time. And I just love Exodus. I love Moses. To be fair, I love Genesis. Whenever I'm reading through a given book of the Bible, I always think, man, I love this book. (laughs) So I don't know. If you're not a Bible reader, I would encourage you to start because I have found it to be life-changing. For a lot of years, I wasn't a Bible reader, and maybe five years ago, I started reading just a chapter a day, and I worked my way through the different books, and I just love it. I I read the message, which I think is by far and away the best translation. Uh, I guess you could read whatever you want, but I, you know, I prefer the story of the Bible is, is what I'm after, and I find the message, to me, it does the best job communicating that story in a in a story form and that's what i'm after i'm not i'm not after as much chapter and verse and this that and the other thing as much as i am give me the chapter and give me the story and let let me get invested in the story and and so anyway when i'm reading that's what i'm reading is the message so today i wanted to talk about exodus and exodus starts with moses What, what you have is genesis ends with joseph one of jacob's sons and Jacob, well, maybe we should go back just to fuzz farther. 
Let's go back to Abraham. Uh, Abraham is where God kind of reenters into a relationship with a specific man that's going to grow into a specific family and into a specific nationality and culture, which is the Jews. So Abraham was, was the father of many nations, but he was the father of the Jews. Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has uh, Esau and Jacob, twins. And Jacob is the one through whom the blessing is called. Jacob has 12 sons, which go on to become the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph is one of those sons, actually Jacob's favorite at the time. Uh, Because he's a favorite, his brothers don't like him at all. And they end up throwing him in a pit. They're going to kill him, decide not to kill him, sell him as a slave off to Egypt. Joseph then goes to Egypt as a slave. Uh, He's then falsely accused by uh, his owner or by the owner's wife that he's trying to get with Potiphar's wife. And then then he's sent to prison. So the, the, the trajectory of Joseph's life is going down at this point. And then when he's in prison, he interprets a couple dreams, one for the Pharaoh's cupbearer and one for the Pharaoh's baker. Baker dies, cupbearer goes back to Pharaoh. Joseph says, remember me to Pharaoh when you get back there. The guy, the cupbearer forgets him for two years. Then Pharaoh has a dream. Nobody can interpret it. He says, hey, there's a guy in prison, a Jew, who interpreted my dream, and Pharaoh should call him. Pharaoh calls him up. Joseph interprets it. It's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And Joseph says, listen, Pharaoh, you need to to get someone that you can trust to gather up all this food from the seven plentiful, really good years, store the food for the seven years of famine that are going to follow because it's going to be just ridiculous famine in the land. Well, all of that came to be. Uh, Pharaoh put Joseph in charge. He's second or third in charge of the country. He's in charge of, of collecting all the food, storing it, the whole thing. Uh, and then once the famine hits, he starts selling it back. And his father, Jacob, and his brothers are living in the land of Canaan at the time. And the famine's just as bad there. And they hear that there's food in Egypt. So Jacob sends his sons down, ends up being a family reunion. Joseph provides them with a bunch of food. And then he, he, he talks to Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him to bring his whole family down. He brings his father Jacob, all his brothers, their family, wives, kids, everybody. They come to Egypt. Joseph takes care of them through the famine years. And then the they become a, a nation in Egypt. So over the next 400 years, the Israelites, you know, multiply and grow. And, and suddenly they're, they're, they're a pretty major group of people. Well, 400 years later, they've forgotten about Pharaoh, or not about Pharaoh, about Joseph. And the Egyptians are starting to get a little nervous because the Israelites are just, they're they're breeding like rabbits. God's blessing them. They're reproducing, they're prospering. And they're like, hey, we can't have this. So they basically reduce the people of Israel to slavery. And so the children of Israel are, the the Jews are, are making bricks, they're building pyramids, you know, the whole thing, building cities, but the, but they're slave labor basically to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh doesn't treat him very well. And God's still blessing them. Pharaoh says, listen, this is too much. And he tells the, the Hebrew midwives to start killing all the babies that are born, all the male babies, and letting the girls live. 
female babies can live. Now, now this was thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. They didn't understand that there wasn't just male and female, that there was any number of genders. <laughs> so back then, they were still operating on uh, some ancient ideas, like there's only males and females. So anyway, uh, Pharaoh, then, then we go to chapter 2 in Exodus, and it says, a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and had a son. She saw there was something special about him and hid him. So this is Moses. His mom hides him. And then once he's gets getting to be too big to hide, they put him in a basket, float him out by Pharaoh's daughter in the Nile where she's uh, bathing or whatever. And then Pharaoh's daughter finds him, takes Moses as her own and raises Moses as her own child in Pharaoh's household. So that's where we're at. And then I want to start in Exodus 2, and I'm starting around verse 11, again in the message. Time passed, Moses grew up. One day he went and saw his brothers, so he's talking about the Hebrews, the Hebrew slaves, saw all that hard labor. Then he saw an Egyptian hit a Hebrew one of his relatives. He looked this way and then that. When he realized there was no one in sight, he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. The next day he went out there again. Two Hebrew men were fighting. He spoke to the man who started it. Why are you hitting your neighbor? The man shot back. Who do you think you are telling us what to do? Are you going to kill me the way you killed that Egyptian? Then Moses panicked and said, words got out. People know about this. It says, Pharaoh heard about it and tried to kill Moses, but Moses got away to the land of Midian. So Moses, his mom, sees that there's something special about this baby. Moses is going to be the deliverer of Israel. He is going to lead the children of Israel out of bondage and out of Egypt. But for, for the first 40 years of his life, he's raised as an Egyptian. He's raised as a prince in Pharaoh's court. And then he's about 40, and he goes down and he sees everything his Hebrew relatives and, and the people of Israel are going through, all the hard labor and everything else. And this desire, I think we can agree that it's probably a desire that God put in him to be the deliverer. And he wanted to deliver these people and he sees them you know being mistreated and put upon and everything else and so he takes it upon himself and he acts out of his own strength and he's looking this way and that and then once he sees a slave master kill or, or I'm sorry beating on an, on an, one of his Hebrew relatives he takes matters into his own hands and he kills the Egyptian slave master and buries him in the sand word gets out about this. So he didn't act, he, he basically took it, he took the timing and he took the action into his own hands. So what's inside him, God put there. God has designed him to be a deliverer. God's called him to be a deliverer. This, this call was put on his life. I think in a lot of things we can say that God spoke it before the foundation of the world. So this, this, this was what Moses was made for. And yet when he first tries to enter into it at the age of 40, 
He does it in his own strength and in his own timing without any regard for what God hasn't called him, God hasn't talked to him, God hasn't done any of this. He just has it inside him and he acts out on it and it everything goes horribly wrong. And word gets out, Pharaoh wants to kill him and Moses runs away as a murder suspect. He's wanted for murder in Egypt. He takes off across the desert to the land of Midian and settles down there. What it says is that Moses got away to the land of Midian. He sat down by a well. The priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came and drew water, filling the troughs and watering their father's sheep. When some shepherds came and chased the girls off, Moses came to their rescue and helped them water their sheep. When they got home to their father, Ruel, Ruel, I don't know how to say it, Ruel, I guess, he said, that didn't take long. Why are you back so soon? An Egyptian, they said, rescued us from a bunch of shepherds. Why even drew water for us and watered the sheep? He said, so where is he? Why did you leave him behind? Invite him so he can have something to eat with us. Moses agreed to settle down there with the man, who then gave his daughter Zipporah to him for a wife. She had a son, and Moses named him Gershom, sojourner, saying, I am a sojourner in a foreign country. So Moses has tried in his own strength to follow this built-in desire that God put in him, except he didn't do it. He didn't wait for God's call. He didn't wait for God's time. He didn't wait for God's guidance. He just acted out of this passion. We're going to see this is a common theme throughout Moses's life that anger and passion, he, he has a difficult time controlling his anger. He tends to act out of it. And and that's something he deals with for the rest of his life. I don't know that that's that different than a lot of us. I think we all have areas in our life where we're just more prone, where we struggle with things, and and, and then we don't want to struggle with it, but it seems like this constant struggle. And so for Moses, that's anger, and we see it in, in his first interaction where he kills an Egyptian and then takes off to the land of Midian. And Moses is in Midian for 40 years before God finally shows up to him. So Moses is 40 when he goes there. By the time God shows up to him in the burning bush and actually calls him to deliver the people of Israel, he's 80 years old. There's been 40 years. But when he first got there and he settled down with um, Ruel, is what they're calling him as their father. He's called Jethro later on. And he marries... Jethro's daughter, they have a son, and Moses names him Gershom, which means sojourner, because Moses says, I'm a sojourner in a foreign country. What does sojourn mean? Sojourn means a temporary stay. So if you're, if you're a sojourner, you're staying someplace as kind of a temporary resident. You don't necessarily plan on being there for the duration. So if you went to Mexico and you lived there for a year, you would be sojourning in Mexico. You're, you're there, you're setting down, you're, you're planning on living there for a while. You're going to, you know, you're, he's marrying Zipporah. He's going to have a family, but he doesn't look at this still, even though he's, even though he's acting his own strength, even though he's wanted for murder in Egypt 
and and everything has gone wrong. He's had to leave where he was the prince of Egypt. He didn't do anything of any substance or good for the Israeli slaves, for, for the Hebrew slaves that are his family and his relatives. And basically it all just went to crap and he ran away. And he ran away to the land of Midian and he gets married and he starts to have a family. But still... We know from what he names his son that there's still something inside him, at least at that point, at the point that he's, you know, that he first got there, where he, he doesn't believe this is where he's going to land. He doesn't believe that he's left Egypt forever. He believes he's a sojourner. He believes this is going to be a temporary stay for him. Now, then he's there for 40 years. And what I wonder is, how long did Moses maintain that expectancy in his spirit and in his life where he, he knew he was there and he was fine working there and he was fine settling down and having a family, but yet part of him always knew this isn't where I meant to be. This is not where, this is not what God has for me. This isn't my destination. This is, this is a place I'm passing through, and I'm here for a while, and for as long as I'm here, you know, I'll, I'll settle down and work, uh, have a family, the whole thing, build a marriage, but yet he knew there was something more out there for him. I wonder if that was still the case. We, once, we'll find out next time, but once we get into chapter 3 where God actually appears to Moses, Moses doesn't want to go back to Egypt. 40 years later. So sometime between when he went and those four decades where he was there, he lost that passion, that, that, that thing in, inside him driving him to say, I'm a deliverer. Someday I'm going to go back there. Someday I'm going to fulfill my destiny. At some point that started to fade. And at some point Moses started looking at Midian where he was living, not as a place where he was staying as a sojourner, but as a place that was his destination. And I think we're going to see that change in chapter 3. But God has to spend chapter 3 and chapter 4 arguing with Moses to kind of get his mind right. And I don't know about you guys, but I struggle sometimes with the same thing. Uh, I struggle with it in areas of, of health, in areas of, of a professional kind of career, those kinds of things where, where you feel like God's put something inside you. He's given you this dream and then you try, you make a couple attempts at it. You try it a couple different ways. It doesn't work out. You end up in a place that you never expected to be. And when you first get there, you say, well, this is going to be okay for now. You know, this is, this is just a temporary state because God's still got this. He's put this thing inside me for a reason. He's still got this thing out there. And yet after a while, when God doesn't show up, when God doesn't speak to us, when God doesn't lead us into what we thought he was going to lead us into, we, be, we begin to settle down. We begin to lose sight of the destiny we were designed for, the dream that we were designed for. And it's so easy to do. You can do it in areas of health. Uh, Nikki, my soon to be my fiance, soon to be wife has been struggling with health issues for years. And you just pray and pray and pray, pray to God for healing, pray to God for, for some kind of recovery for, for some, just some kind of relief. 
and it just, it can wear on you. And I know that this is something people deal with all the time, that you feel like I wasn't made for this. Was I? I wasn't made to be sick. Sick isn't my destiny. Sick isn't my destination, is it? And yet the weeks roll by and the months roll by and you pray and you pray and you ask God for healing and God just doesn't show up. Not that he doesn't show up at all, but he doesn't heal. There's no relief. There's no recovery. Maybe the illness gets worse. Maybe you're in a tough marriage. Maybe you're in a bad relationship, whatever it is. And, and you've kind of given it over to God. And you think, okay, this is going to be a period of time, but God's going to move me out of this. He's going to heal this marriage. He's going to heal this, this home. And yet the days and the months and the years start to slip by, and God doesn't do what we thought he was going to do. And we get disappointed in that, I think. And yet every time Moses said his son's name, Gershom, which meant sojourner, there was a reminder there. I'm sure that faded. I'm sure it wasn't every single time he said his name for 40 years. But still, there had to be times in the back of his mind where he said, you know, when I came here, I knew, I I believed that God had put something in me. I knew I was destined for more than this. And yet, months turn into years, turn into decades. And all of a sudden, Moses is an old man. And God still hasn't done in him what he expected God to. And by the time God shows up in chapter 3, Moses is 80 years old. I got to believe if I'm Moses that I'm feeling kind of used up by that point. I'm thinking, you know, maybe, maybe God, maybe if you'd have done it when I was 40, maybe if you'd have done it when I was 50, but God, I'm 80. I don't have anything left to give. What are you asking for from me? And I think we're going to see that in chapter three from Moses. That's Moses's response. Moses is like, I, I not, what do you mean? I can't go. Nobody's going to listen to me. But the truth is that God does show up. Boy, he shows up a lot later than Moses is expecting. He did the same thing with Abraham. He promised Abraham a son. Abraham was 75 years old. It didn't make sense then that his 75-year-old wife was going to get pregnant because she was past the age of bearing children. But God said, I'm going to give you a son, and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And Abraham believed, and 25 years went by. Moses is... 100. Sarah's 99. And God shows up finally and says, listen, Sarah's going to have a baby next year. And Abraham laughs at him. Sarah laughs because they're way past that. I don't know about you guys, but but there's been times in my life where I feel like that, where I'm so far past that. Maybe, maybe if you'd have gotten me before all the other failures, maybe I could have done something for you, but not now. That's all. That's all past now. I don't have anything left to give. You know, it's it's a young man's game. I think may, maybe that's a uniquely American uh, feeling, but I don't know. I mean, it's certainly true of our culture that it feels like success is a young man's game. You know, as hard as you have to work and all the time and everything you have to put in, that's for young people. By the time you're 50, you're not supposed to be starting out on new ventures for God or in your career or whatever. 
But God seems singularly unfazed by our expectations and by the time limits that we like to impose on him. He just doesn't, we can pray about it. And I bet Moses did. I bet Moses spent years praying to God saying, God, why'd you put this desire in me to be this deliverer? And yet here I am and I'm just a shepherd. And maybe he didn't get the answer he was looking for. Maybe God wasn't clear. Maybe God didn't speak to him for a while. And maybe he started thinking, you know, I don't know if God's going to speak to me again. But God works on his own timetable. So if you're in a place like that, and I trust me, I know where you're coming from. I feel it in more ways than you know. And I have to remind myself, God doesn't work on my timetable. God's not bound by my timetable, and he's also not bound or limited by my failures. He's not bound or limited by age. So at 80, Moses is probably thinking he's getting ready to wind down. But God still has plans for the, for the last third of Moses' life. He spent 40 years growing up. He spent 40 years in the desert of Midian, and when he comes back to lead the people, he's going to spend 40 years leading the people of Israel out of Egypt, delivering them from Egypt, bringing them to the promised land where they reject God and his plan for them, and they end up wandering in the desert for another 40 years, and that's how Moses is going to spend his 40 years, his final 40 years, is fulfilling the destiny that God had put in him from when he was just a child. So God can still work. God's God's not done. He's not done with you just because it's taken so much longer than you think it should take, just because the healing has taken so much longer and the disease and the sickness has gone on so much longer or the broken home or the broken relationships have gone on for so long. God's not done. That's my hope that I can leave you with an encouragement today is God's not done. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. He wasn't done with Moses. He's still out there. Whatever he put in you, that desire, that dream, he's not done with it. He put it there for a reason. It's up to us to hold on to that. Through the 40 years where we're in the wilderness and we think, I don't see this, we just give up on it. But yet God can pick it up. He can, he can pick it up. We can rise out of the ashes. He can restore the years that the locust ate. And God will have the final say in my life, in your life. And as we're going to see next week and through the rest as we kind of journey through Exodus, he had the final say in Moses' life too. So, all right, guys, thanks for joining me today. Just a quick one. Again, this is how it's going to be. My Thursdays are going to be more like this. It's going to be more personal, more spiritual, more Bible-based. I hope you like it. You know, if you don't, you've got Tuesdays for the current events stuff too. And then, of course, there's Todd's World, which is the fictional story and then the podcast that goes along with it. So I, anyway, I hope that you guys will take advantage of, of what I'm doing, listen. And, and if you enjoy it, drop me a note anywhere on, on Twitter, on Truth, on Facebook, on Instagram, however you want to get a hold of me, get a hold of me. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me today. Talk to you next week.